Hey, I'm Rivka. I'm a health coach and your guide to a more balanced, healthy lifestyle. And I'm Ida, mental health awareness advocate and ADD coach. Welcome to the From the Inside Out podcast. We're mumtrepreneurs and friends who love connecting through meaningful conversations. It all started in an Uber, where we were both inspired by how much we learned from each other's life experiences. We decided then and there to create this platform to invite you to join in our conversation and discover the joy of growth and personal transformation. We'll share the practical and valuable tools, tips, and shortcuts that may have taken us a little longer to learn. Yes, by combining our shared knowledge and expertise and the things that we do to bring more clarity and focus into our lives in mind, body, and soul. Join us in building a strong and supportive network of women who ignite positive change from the inside out. Hi, guys. We're really excited about this. We want to introduce you to a revolutionary process called The Work, and it's developed by Byron Katie. Uh, We've got her book in front of us. And in her book, Loving What Is, The Work is a simple approach for addressing any stressful thought that we experience from mild discomfort to intense sorrow. And this is something new to both Ida and I that we are going to share with you today. So we're in this with you together. Right. The book is new, but stress is an age-old problem that we've experienced for for as long as humanity has been around. Exactly. um, (laughs) You know, yeah, stress is part of everyday life. And if it's not addressed properly, it can really weigh us down. And one of history's most famous medical doctors, the Rambam, also known as Maimonides, he spoke about the connection between mental and physical health in relation to stress and anxiety. And, you know, this is back in the 12th century. Uh, he wrote that emotional stress, if it's maintained for a long period of time and not much is done about it, then a person can actually become physically ill. And now, hundreds of years later, we know from research that stress can bring on a range of problems from heart disease, stomach problems, ulcers, depression, low self-esteem, anger relationship issues. I'm probably going to go on and on. So how do we combat this age-old feeling that has become harder and harder to manage in a world full of distraction? Byron Katie's work incorporates this process called inquiry, which includes four questions that challenge us to discover how it's not our thoughts, but it's the attachment to them that actually causes stress. So in Byron's words, we are disturbed not by what happens to us, but by our thoughts about what happens. So Before creating the work, Byron Katie had fallen into a really deep depression. Despite having three beautiful children, a husband, and a successful career, she came to a point where she was unable to even get out of her bed. She hit rock bottom. She went through this, you know, a very difficult time and change she did. You know, she transformed her life into something extraordinary and she helped people do the same thing. And the beauty of this work is that it really applies to everyone. You know, whether a person's experiencing a minor setback or feeling like they are on their last leg, this work can apply to everyone. That's what I think is so great about it. And it's different to anything I've really read. I mean, it's a twist on things that we have learned and and that we practice but I think it's really cool that it's four questions that can change your life just by having a little bit of a different view on these questions and answers. You know, I've read so many self-help books and I know you and I have both read a lot of Brene Brown. So I feel like we both kind of know the drill and there's a lot of familiar content when I read new self-help books. I feel like, okay, I already know this. I already know this. This was something very different from anything that I've read in the past. And, you know, you had told me about this book and I I told you about it because I was really hurt by something that someone had said to me. And I do really feel like it helped me with that. Another beautiful thing about 
this book is the fact that she was in such a low place and that now she's in a place where she is helping so many people to live their best lives. And each person's rock bottom can look different. You know, not necessarily will one be on the floor like Byron Katie was. But let's say, for example, when a client comes to me to start my program because they feel like they're at a point where they're so lethargic or they're feeling so bad about themselves that it affects everything they do in their day and they realize they need a change. And then there are some people that come to me feeling good, but they just want to feel even better. And I really hope there will be more and more of wanting to make a change when you're already in a good place and just wanting to be even better because it's much easier that way. Even though we can change like Baron Katie did if we're at rock bottom. And I was reading Rabbi Shays Taub's book, A Lot of Our Understanding, which we touched upon in our last podcast. Well, the, the book is about recovering from addiction as it relates to God. And he says the problem is that it seems to be human nature that we often can't bring ourselves to believe how dependent we are on Hashem until we are brought to the brink of utter collapse but it doesn't need to be that way. You can turn things over to Hashem at any point. So what we are saying is that you don't have to be at your very last leg to call out to Hashem or to turn for help or to make a change. Right. We hear so much about major adversity leading to change. We can learn shortcuts to freedom and to better living from people who have suffered so that you know we don't have to go through that same suffering. So this is really for everyone. So whenever you notice that you're feeling defensive in a conversation with your friends or family, or whenever you're sure that you're right, of course that happens to us, huh? Because we are right. (laughs) You may want to jot down your underlying beliefs. Uh, This was what Byron Katie suggests, to write down in that moment how you're feeling. And I love that because Ida and I, in our practices, are both very much advocates of writing things down. It makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And to realize that when you're in that place where you've noticed you're feeling defensive, etc., that this is wonderful material for inquiry if you really want to know the truth and live without suffering. I love that concept. First, I love the whole idea of writing things down. It kind of allows you to step outside yourself for a minute and become your friend. Like if a friend came to you and said, I'm stressed out, what would you tell that friend? When you write things down on a paper and you could read it on the paper, you could be more objective about what your day is looking like and what you want it to look like, what you prefer to do, what you want to change. And she also says, which I love this analogy, the purpose of stress is to serve as an alarm. I like that analogy. Uh, Like when you hear the smoke alarm go off in the kitchen, you run to the kitchen and see if if there's a fire, right? God forbid. And and if there is one, you put it out. And if there isn't one, eventually you kind of like wave your towel at the smoke detector and eventually the alarm will turn off. When you're in a constant state of stress, it's like that alarm is just beeping and beeping. And um, And so she, she says to look at that stress, it should be served as an alarm and it's a friend. It's an alarm clock built in to let you know that it's time to do the work. You investigate and you return to who you are. These four questions are so simple that it almost feels too simple at first, but then once you start using them and you learn about how to change your thoughts through these questions, that that's when you could really begin the process of incredible discovery. So let's start by sharing the four questions and then we'll start to unpack them. So the first question is, is this thought true? So you're either believing your thoughts or you're questioning them. Question two is, can I be absolutely sure that it's true without a doubt? The third question is, how do I react when I believe this thought? And the fourth question is, who would I be without this thought? One of I love that question. Thoughts of all the, yeah, yeah, it's so powerful. Now, these questions are, right now, they appear 
kind of neutral, but let's dive in. Okay. Um, let's start with a, an example. You can be the inquirer and I'm the uh, inquiry. Okay, I'll pretend to be Byron Katie. I hope actually that we get to Byron Katie. I hope you're listening so that you can come be featured on our podcast someday soon. <laughs> Hi, Ida. Hello. I have a lot of trouble when it comes to focusing. I just don't focus well. So we're going to use the first question. Is this thought true? Do you believe yeah. that this thought is true? Yeah, I believe it's true. I do. <laughs> so you believe this thought is true. We're going to go to question two. Can you absolutely be sure that this thought is true, that you have trouble focusing without a doubt? Right. So you're at the question is, can you be absolutely sure that it's true for you all the time? Because what I'm saying is I just simply can't focus. Yes. So tell me, is so it absolutely true I'm without being, a doubt? So if I'm really asking myself if it's absolutely true, um, you know, there are times when I am able to focus. So, and the answer has to be a yes or no answer. It it's a yes like or no answer. Yes. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I would have said yes, but if I'm, now that I've done the work a little bit, I'm going to say no. It's not absolutely true because there are times when I am able to focus, generally speaking, if it's something that I'm interested in or something that I enjoy doing, then I, I can focus. So no, I can't absolutely be sure without a doubt that it's true. Good. This is the third question. How do you react when you believe this thought? When you believe this thought that you cannot focus, how do you um, react? I, right, right. So I, I feel frustrated. And that probably affects other areas of your life. When I believe this thought that I can't focus, then I feel frustrated and it interferes with um, my relationships. So who would you be without this thought? And that's a favorite question. Yeah. Who, without this thought that you can't focus, who would you be? How would you feel? Right. I would feel more free. I'd feel more free and I would feel um, more self-compassionate, more self-compassionate and, and um, more content, not worried about what I will and won't be able to do or listen to. Do you think it would be a great idea just to drop the thought? I do. I do. This is an example of self-judgment. The thoughts in themselves don't carry value unless we believe them, right? right? They won't impact us negatively unless we believe them. Don't believe everything that you think. think that's a, a pretty popular quote. Don't believe everything that you think because sometimes our thoughts, they will lie. The purpose of this work is first of all, to be able to identify our thoughts and whether or not they reflect reality through inquiry. It's almost like you are stepping outside yourself and saying, well, is this true? In reality, oftentimes they're not. I found that really interesting doing this with you because you realizing that you don't do that all the time, that you, you actually can focus. I feel like you would probably do more and more of that if you let go of the thought that you can't. Right. And also one thing that I, I do so often in coaching is there's this principle that the stuff you focus on will grow. So if you focus on the negative, then you'll start to see more of that. If you focus on positive, you'll start to see more of that. And that's why gratitude journal is so impactful because it shifts your focus. So the, another thing that this work does is that it shifts your focus from what's not working to what is working. I could think about, wait, let's think about the stuff that I did do, the books that I did finish. And that's why I often tell clients, instead of putting a pile of books that you haven't yet read on your nightstand, put a couple of books that you have read, just as a subtle reminder of what you did accomplish. And you know, if we go through our day, at the end of the day, we're often thinking about the stuff we didn't do, right? the stuff we didn't get done. 
think about the stuff you did get done. It's about shifting your thinking. And it took me a while to really absorb how this works, but it really, really works. And I've seen it work. Um, and I'm sure Rifka, with your clients, you've seen it as well. And I'm sure in your own life, you see the effects, positive effects. Absolutely. Should yeah. we do it the other way around? And maybe I'll yeah, pretend I'm one it. of my clients. Yeah. I'm thinking of something that I used to feel. I don't feel this way anymore because I've, I've done the work, but mm-hmm. I, we're always working. Right. But this is often a thought that goes through my clients' minds when they come to me, you know, teenagers and adults. So let's try this. Let's go for it. Okay. So how can I, I be useful to you today? <laughs> well, you can be useful in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My thought that's going through my mind right now is that my family and friends have it so easy losing weight and I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, just to expand on that a little bit. I always have to watch what I eat every single mouthful in order to lose a few pounds. And I watch my sisters, my, my parents, my friends, they can eat whatever they want and they maintain their weight easily. It's not fair. Mm -hmm. Is this that true? Would you say it's true? I'm like you were in the other dialogue. Yes, I think it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good that you're honest. Yeah. Can you absolutely be sure that it's true without a doubt that it's easier for your friends and family to lose weight than it is for you? Yes, I can't be absolutely sure. That is the way it seems. But I guess the answer is going to be no. I can't be absolutely sure that it's true without a doubt. Hmm. How do you react? How do you react when you believe this thought that your friends and family have an easier time losing weight than you? I, I feel frustrated. It makes me upset. It gets me to a place of comparing that other people have it easier than I do. It, I feel like it brings me down and it doesn't allow me to actually lose the weight because I'm comparing and it, it gives me a low self-esteem. So it sounds like the thought seems to be getting in the way of reaching the goal that you want to reach. So, so who would you be? I want you to talk about who you would be without this thought. You didn't have this thought that other people have an easier time than you. I would feel a lot more peace. I would have a lot more confidence. I would feel more empowered to accomplish the goal that would make me feel better. I would feel happier. I would enjoy my food more. I also think that I would feel beautiful. Love that. So any of you listening, I want you to think of a personal example, something in your life that causes stress or that makes you uncomfortable. Now ask yourself the four questions. Over time, if you continue to do it, if you continue to challenge yourself to use the questions, eventually you'll start to see that your thoughts are not always a reflection of reality. I just want to add that sometimes it can happen that your thought really is true. And then you can just go to who would I be without this thought? Right. That's you a go- very good point. So the four questions, is it true? Can you be absolutely sure that it's true? How do you react when you believe this thought? And wh- and who would you be without the thought? There's so many examples of times when if you look back, you realize that you're, the only issue was your thinking. Because how often do you experience something and it causes a reaction? And another time you experience a very similar thing and it doesn't cause a reaction. It's not the yeah. thing. It's the it's it's your thoughts about it's your it. Thought. Right. And the reason, like I said in the beginning, then I got this book because I was hurt by somebody and it was very hurtful. But when I turned it on, like, how would I be without this thought? I would be so much more peaceful and accomplish everything that I want to do. I was right. like, I'm letting go of that thought. <laughs> right. 
So the key is to discover who you would be if you didn't have that thought and recognize that you can change your thinking. And eventually you get to a place where you, you are able to recognize when something is, uh, when a thought is not helping you and you can nip it in the bud, you can get rid of it right away. Yeah. yeah. If you put your hand into a fire, does anyone tell you to move it? No, you don't have to decide to move it. When, you, when your hand starts to burn, it moves, right? You don't have to direct it. The hand moves itself. And in the same way, once you understand through inquiry that an untrue thought will cause you suffering, then you'll move away from it. And this is the story we tell ourselves about the pain. You just want to take a second to differentiate between pain and suffering. We will inevitably have painful experiences. Suffering, on the other hand, is an entirely different animal. And I remember hearing a lecture where Rabbi uh, Shays Taub described the difference between pain and suffering in a very clear analogy. It's something like this. He says, I'm waking up, I wake up and I'm, I'm walking and I step on a piece of Lego. I'm like, ouch, that really hurts. That's pain. And after that, I say, oh, why does this always happen to me? That's suffering. I love pain that analogy. The, yeah. And it goes the same way for any painful experience, right? Pain is pain, yes. But the story we tell, tell ourselves about the pain, that's and, suffering. So yeah, yeah, that really relates to this book, Loving What Is. It's all about the thought that we attach to what's going on in our lives. So suffering is the thought associated with the incident prior to investigation. And suffering is optional. Katie says that it takes only one person to have a good relationship. Which is, you know, I which is interesting. I, you know, I, I find that interesting. I do. Um, it's so contrary to conventional wisdom. Like we, we're always hearing it takes two to tango. Two to tango, yeah. So this is so, opposing that. Yeah. To an extent. Well, I recognize that we can't, because we can't change people. That's what I took from this. And if we dig deeper, we see that what she's saying is that we can still accomplish our desired goals without pointing fingers. Right. Like this is not about blaming others or feeling guilty. It's really about discovering alternatives, alternative thoughts that can bring you the peace that you truly desire. Because as long as we think that anything else is responsible for our stress or suffering or any person, um, then it ends up feeling hopeless and we're essentially a victim of circumstance or someone else's actions. Right. And And I think that many of us feel that when we do this, that in some way we're condoning, you know, the actions of others. This doesn't mean that you condone it or you approve of what's going on. It just means that you can allow yourself to see things without resistance and without the confusion of inner struggle that often gets in the way of inner peace, which is what we all essentially really want. You know, it's about inquiring about yourself instead of yeah, and fingers. that's why. And the more the more I've been thinking about changing my thought or realizing, hey, maybe my thought is not absolutely true. It's kind of sinking in. It does help, but it takes time. It does. It does. It does. I've seen it work and, and um, not everyone's ready to go there. And that's okay. You know, we're all on this journey and we're all in this process of change and improvement. And for some of us, it might take a little longer and that's fine. Yeah. Um, what, what I do love is that, you know, beyond the, there's like a next level, you know, beyond the four questions, once you can identify the four questions and understand how they apply to you, then there's the turnaround, which okay, I, so still, yeah. I feel like, yeah. I like the turnarounds because, you know, you've answered the four questions and then it's like, okay, so it's not necessarily true. How do I go ahead? Now what? How do I let yeah. go of these thoughts? There are three ways to do a turnaround. So let's say um, you have a judgment. A judgment can be turned around to yourself, to someone else. And the opposite. So let me just explain that. You take the original statement, 
and you turn it around until you find the one that penetrates deepest for you. So I'm just, just to give you an example, I'm sharing an example that she shares in the book. Um, my husband should appreciate me. So instead of pointing fingers and saying, my husband should appreciate me, you turn around the thought and say to yourself and say, I should appreciate myself. It's my job, right. not his. So this is after, meaning if once you get through the four questions, this is the now what? Like, what do I do now? You know, it's, it's almost like an action step, which I like. I like this, this husband example because, so she went through the questions, right? Is it absolutely true that my husband should appreciate me, right? And how do I feel when I think this thought? Um, how would I feel if this thought didn't exist? So now what do I do, right? Right. So this is the turnaround. So first, turn around to yourself. I should appreciate myself instead of pointing fingers at your husband. <laughs> so, and you can internalize that. Oh, I should appreciate myself. Okay. You could kind of have a little epiphany, right? I haven't been appreciating myself. I shouldn't be focusing on that. My husband's not appreciating me. I should internalize appreciating myself. So that's right, one way. Because really, if you really did, if, if we really did appreciate ourselves, would we be hurt if someone didn't appreciate us? That's the question. Right. That is the question. That's well, the question. what she's trying to say is that if we appreciate ourselves, that things around us will change. We, the things that we're feeling like we're not getting, we're not getting because we're not doing our part. Right. Anyway, next turnaround is turning around to your husband. Remember the original statement, my husband should appreciate me. So we already said, okay, I, the first turnaround is I should appreciate myself. The next one would be I should appreciate my husband. So instead of focusing on that he should appreciate me, I should be appreciating him. So I should be appreciating myself and I should be appreciating him. Woo. Ah, <laughs> no, but that, okay, so that is resonating more because if I'm saying that my husband doesn't appreciate me, that means I, there's something I don't appreciate about him also, right? I don't appreciate the fact that he doesn't appreciate me, right. whether or that's good or bad. But it is a turnaround. That's an interesting turnaround because I'm also being unappreciative of something, even if I feel like I have more of a right to feel that way. Yeah. It is, it is essentially, if you think about it, the, the same thing is going on on both ends. So I yes. do have to turn it around. Yes. And also like... Um, if I believe it's so easy for my husband to appreciate me, can I appreciate my husband? Ha, huh. right, like, right. Can I live? Can I live what I'm asking him to live? Right. This okay, is something that needs a lot of unpacking. You know, a very, very much like a bird's eye understanding of this concept, which can be helpful. Maybe go back and listen to this again um, because it is a lot of information packed into a shorter episode, which is what you know, Rifka, you and I um, wanted to do. And Triggers Our Mirrors is another great episode that relates to this point. You know, for those of you who want a, a broader understanding, a, bit, a deeper understanding of yeah. what it means to do the yeah, turnaround. In Triggers Our Mirrors, we spoke about what, instead of pointing fingers at other people, we should be looking at ourselves. And Natanya speaks about that too. Instead of judging someone else, you know, don't judge them. Leave that to Hashem. Right, right. Let's just worry about our reaction. Like, how are we going to react to the situation that we're in? Right. It's hard work, all of it. I guess this is why she called it the work. It's the right. And nobody, saying, and nobody was saying it was easy. And, and yeah. you know, good things sometimes come after a lot of hard work. Um, and there's, th there's one third way that might speak yeah. to you. And that turnaround would be 
you know, turn it around to the opposite. My husband shouldn't appreciate me. So, you know, you're busy saying my husband should appreciate me. There might be some situations, you know, that's reality. Sometimes he shouldn't appreciate me, which is interesting. That's something that I don't think everybody will <laughs> well, she, she says, she says agree with, but yeah. even if we don't agree with this or don't fully understand it, I think just knowing that Byron Katie has helped millions of people around the world with this work, um, I think that there's a certain element of trust that we can have in going to experts who have spent years and years studying, you know, it's like Gottman. We talked about Gottman who studied couples for many, many years and determined how good relationships, um, what they look like. I also feel like a lot of these self-help books, you take what speaks to you. What spoke to me in this book is like, how do I feel when I have this thought? It's not bringing me to the place where I want to be. That's really where, what I like. That's the question I like. And there might be other questions that speak to you. And it's really about taking what you feel will work for you. Right. It's a good point. It's not all or nothing, you know, take yeah. what works for you. And the turnaround is really, um, it's something that it's, it's the reason that she says it's the next level. And that oftentimes people don't do it until they get through under really understand the four questions is because it's a kind of like a higher level of understanding that a lot of people are not ready for. She says to find a few genuine examples of how you can apply this to your life and own it. And if it seems hard for you, you should also add the word sometimes. So it doesn't have to be with everything. It can be sometimes like, yeah, you know, can you own that that's true sometimes that, you know, instead of making it this blanket statement, I need to respect my children. It can be sometimes I should respect my children. I'm just using children as an example now because you can apply this right. to any situation. It really can be applied to any situation. I mean, the other night I couldn't connect to the internet and I found myself saying, I always have trouble connecting in the classroom. I was so frustrated because I had class from five to eight on Mondays. And before class, I tried to log in. I couldn't log in. There were technology, like I couldn't find the link that I needed to get in. And I was looking at my email and the more I kept telling myself, you could never do this, the more frustrated I became, the less likely I was to do it. So it wasn't helping at all. You could ask yourself the four questions. Is this really true? Yeah. And I I was. Yeah. So it helped you. Did. Oh, it, it really, Yay. it really okay. did. It really did. When we use our suffering as a natural alarm and inquire, is this thought true? What would I be without this thought? When we start to have any negative feeling and look at it as an opportunity to grow by changing our thought and doing the work, our parents, our children, our spouses, and our friends will continue to press every button we have until we realize what it is that we don't want to know about ourselves yet. And she also says that if you do it over time, eventually you'll see that it's not about you letting go of your thoughts. Your thoughts will let go of you. Her website, thework.com, has tons of resources. You can review all this material, the four questions. She created worksheets that are free PDF prints for kids, for teens, for adults. Even just listening to us today, you can already join us in inquiring thoughts, asking four questions, turning them around toward us from the inside out. And then we will start to realize that our thoughts are not always true. Don't believe everything you think. Change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change.